Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast right here on arsblog.oleolay.com. We were going to do something very special this weekend and do the Arscast directly from the Arsenal treatment room, an area that many of us have a great interest in at the moment, given that's where most of our players are. Sadly, uh, despite having permission from the club, it was just a little bit noisy, as this um, short clip will demonstrate. <laughs> Uh, so, as you can see, it was uh, pretty much unworkable. So, we're back to uh, normal in the studio. Uh, wherever you are, I hope you're well. You've had a good week. You're uninjured. That's the most important thing. No strains and aches, I hope. No pulled muscles. No little groins. Well, <laughs> I know that's a stretch too far for many of you who do indeed have little groins. But I'm talking uh, from the injury point of view, of course. Injuries are something we'll be touching on a little bit, I suppose, in this show. In a while, we'll be talking to Gilberto Silva from GunnarBlog.com about injuries, about all the football that's gone on this week, and uh, the potential, perhaps, of a new signing arriving before the end of the transfer window. As well as that, we have an in-depth study, and I think we've discovered why it is Arsenal are picking up all these injuries. That's a little bit to come as well. Andre Arshavin will be here to tell you about his week, and as usual, bits and pieces of waffle uh, between uh, now and the end of the program, uh, and looking ahead, of course, to the weekend's game against, uh, who is it? Oh, yes, Manchester United, no less. So we'll be discussing all that before the end of the show. Um, <clears throat> between the last cast and this cast, well, football-wise, it's been a kind of a mixed bag. It hasn't been brilliant. Uh, it hasn't been particularly good, not particularly bad, really. Uh, depending on your point of view of the FA Cup, there was the Villa game and the Stoke game. The FA Cup, well, I mean, we could have won that. We could have won that, but I mean, we gave away three goals, essentially. We've been over this on the blog. A defend like that against any team, and chances are they're going to score. Uh, Stoke did exactly that, and uh, we're out of the FA Cup, which is a little bit of a disappointment because I do like the FA Cup. I don't have any real problem, though, with the team that the manager played on Sunday. He had to rest players. Um, had we played worse against Villa, had we not even picked up a draw against Villa, and, and if he'd played uh, guys from the start, uh, then he would have been crucified, I think, for going, well, why did you, it's the only the FA Cup, we've got a chance of the league, you should be prioritizing that, and of course, when we go out of the FA Cup, it's like, oh, the FA Cup is our best chance of a trophy, what are you doing? So he's damned if he did, and damned if he didn't, kind of, um, and I understand both points of view, but uh, were I in his shoes, I probably would have picked a, a fairly similar team, I don't think I would have risked Cesc Fabregas, I have to say. There was one moment, I think it was probably about 10 minutes ago, and I think they just scored the the uh, the second goal. And the ball was up around the edge of their area, and their player ran away from their player, and Sesk went sliding in. 
And it was one of those where you're going, please get up. Because it's, you know, you could see where the injury was going to come from. Thankfully it didn't, but uh, unfortunately Stoke went up and uh, scored the third goal and went away with the match. Aston Villa then on Wednesday night, nil-nil. Uh, they had chances, we had chances. Stuart Downing had an absolutely glorious chance in the second half uh, from a, a cross which was deflected, which was quite ironic, really, because Villa's crossing was very good all night, and we dealt with it superbly, I thought. Uh, Gallas, Sanya, even Clichy from time to time, and Saul Campbell all made fantastic headed clearances, and we defended quite deep um, and defended across our six-yard box on a number of occasions, and that was down to the quality of Villa's crossing. But the one cross that got deflected looped up and over everybody, and Downing just had to be brave. That's all he had to do. Be brave. Put your head on that, and it's a goal. Instead, he kind of chickened out of it. He was afraid. He was a little baby. And uh, the chance went begging. From our point of view, then, uh, there was the uh, the Sesk shot, which hit, hit the uh, the post, and the follow-up, which was all messy, and then Rosicki hitting the bar. So um, <clears throat> I suppose a draw in the end was a fair result, but it would have been nice to come away from Villa Park with three points. One will do, given the other uh, results that Villa have picked up this season. Uh, the other main talking point, of course, was uh, that the fear that we had was that Thomas Vermaelen ha- had broken his leg or fractured his fibula. Uh, It turns out that's not the case. They're still assessing the injury, but it's good news uh, to know that he hasn't uh, broken his leg, obviously, which is uh, fantastic. Saul Campbell came on, did very well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But had we lost Vermaelen for an extended period of time, uh, I think that would have been uh, very bad indeed. Very, very bad. Um, Because despite the fact Campbell is back and playing well, you know, he's been out for a long time and he's 34 years of age and he can't do three games a week and... Yeah, it would have been bad. So fingers crossed it's not too bad for Thomas. But you've got to wonder about the injuries that Arsenal are picking up all the time. It's just, you know, why do we have so many injuries? How are our players getting injured so frequently when they're they're super athletes? I'm 38 years of age and I play football three times a week. Now, I'm not <clears throat> putting myself on the, the same level uh, as as the Arsenal players, or suggesting that I exert myself physically in the same way. I don't sprint as fast as they do. I, I tend to leave sprinting out of things as much as I possibly can. Use my um, experience, you might say. Uh, particularly when you're playing against a team of young lads on a Tuesday night and they all run around the place going... So you just got to stand in their way and, and make life difficult for them and and try and get them sent off and things. But my point is that, you know, I play one game of 11 aside and two games of five aside, and they're not sedate. There's physicality in all these games. And I play every week, three times a week, every week. I can't remember the last time I missed a game because of injury. It must be a year ago or 18 months ago. I know I probably really jinxed myself, so I'm touching wood here. Uh, he said, tapping his head very, uh, very quickly, and hopefully that I haven't just banjaxed myself here. But you get my point, that I, at 38 years of age, not being a supreme athlete, being a man who is fond of uh, his drink, who doesn't necessarily like running in general. I wouldn't go jogging, for example, to build up fitness or anything like that, because what's the point? I don't see the point in jogging. There is no football to run after, or there is nobody with a football to run after and kick. So for me, running without either of those things is a completely pointless endeavor. So I don't engage in any of that sort of stuff. But rarely get injured. Perhaps, perhaps, the Arsenal players 
need more Guinness. I mean, I'm sure they've tried everything else. Maybe it's a lubricant for the joints and for the muscles and everything else. Guinness and Jemison. It's the anti-injury elixir that Arsenal have been looking for. But of course, it is a worry. You know that we have players that are affected by injury. Eduardo obviously had that terrible injury, and, and it seems to have badly affected him um, subsequently. Not just the recovery from his injury, but the constant strains and muscle problems that he picks up. Abu Dhabi, who was playing fantastically well and beginning to really show some of the potential that Arsene Wenger obviously sees in him and, and the flashes of brilliance that we've seen from him, he was beginning to play consistently well. And again, it's a fallout of that, probably that, that bad injury he had against Sunderland. It's a calf strain. And he picks up that kind of injury quite regularly. So uh, he's unable to build momentum. He's unable to play 10, 15, 20, 25 games in a row, which is really when a footballer gets into his stride. Uh, confident, um, he's fit, he's match fit all the time, he's sharp, his touches, you know. And when you're only playing five or six games and then you, you start to play well, then you're out for three weeks. It is a worry. It is a worry. And maybe we just do have a few uh, too many injury-prone players. But as I said, I think we found the, the main reason, aside from the uh, Guinness and Jemison elixir, which I may pitch to the club, because, I mean, it can't hurt, can it? Probably could hurt. But at least the players would have a good time. So it's team building. It's all, it's all good for morale. I don't think they'll go for it. Anyway, uh, we'll uh, look more at injuries a little bit later on. Uh, with me now, though, to discuss um, everything else that's been going on is Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog. Hello there. Hey there. Uh, how are you? Are you injured in any way? I can report that I... I am actually. You are. I've got a sort of indigestion. That's not I an injury. You, well, it would keep any of our players out. It's <laughs> like a scene from Alien where there's something sort of inside me trying to get out. Are you pregnant? Possibly. Right. That would certainly put a, a dampener on any football career. You know. it, it, would, it would be difficult. <laughs> there haven't been many. Don't, not- don't tackle him. He's pregnant. It might come out. Yeah, no, there aren't many precedents for that. No, I don't think so. Um, we have to start with injuries because that there are so many of them um, surrounding Arsenal at the moment. Have you any theories? Somebody said uh, on Twitter uh, that they thought maybe our, our players, they don't like to be lonely, which is why they get injured together in groups so they can sit around and talk to each other in the in the treatment room. For the treatment room banter? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, you can go and sit in there with Theo Walcott, mm-hmm. have a nice time, but he doesn't seem like great conversation. No, I wouldn't have said Theo is the, the sparkling wit that maybe some of the other players are, like no. Abue, for example. Oh, the razor-sharp wit of Emmanuel Abue. <laughs> but he's not injured all that much. It's sort of Diaby and Walcott, and I don't imagine they've got great chat. I'm not going to lie to you. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Maybe they've got Munchausen syndrome by proxy. They're all injuring each other. I think that's almost, almost certainly it. Mm. Uh, the, the injuries, uh, the, the, it's circular because we've got Nasri and Ramsey back and Bentner back, but we've lost Vermalen and we've lost uh, Eduardo with a, a small, small, small hamstring, which could could be the problem indeed. Yeah. Uh, but Thomas Vermalen, obviously, after the game against Aston Villa, there was a fear that his leg was broken or he'd fractured his, his fibula. That That's turned out not to be the case, uh, and that's good news. It is good news. I sort of wonder if they're trying to play mind tricks on us now. Like, we're so paranoid. They told us 
Ramsey was out for three weeks. They told us Nasri was out for three weeks. They were back pretty sharpish. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the official site telling us that Vermaelen might have broken his leg. You know, that's something we don't need to know. Why tell us that? <laughs> just say he's got, he's got a knot. We don't know. We've had scans. They're just worrying us. But turns out it's not too bad. And uh, yeah, in contention, he might even play Sunday now. Yeah, I'd be surprised. They said they've got to look at the injury, but you can't imagine that if, if it's not a broken uh, leg or a little fracture, then he just got a really hard kick and it's probably quite sore. Yeah, I think they'll do everything they can to get him playing Sunday. I really, I mean, you know, it, it seems unlikely. It seemed very unlikely 24 hours ago, uh, but I think he's, I think there's a good chance he'll be on that pitch. Um, in his absence, Saul Campbell came into the side uh, against Aston Villa and did very, very well. And he, he also played well against Stoke. The team didn't necessarily play too well against Stoke, but Saul played well. And yeah. I suppose if you're going to have an injury to one of your first choice centre halves, having someone like him in there who's been there and done that and has all that experience doesn't necessarily have the pace anymore, uh, which you know you, you can't really expect. But there are a number of occasions in the last two games where where the uh, the forwards, their forwards, have gotten in behind ours and they've put a little cross in, and he's just there uh, in the right position to just mm. get the ball away. Uh, and I think maybe the performances in the last two games will have encouraged people that even though he has been uh, not playing for for quite a while and not playing at the, at the top level for quite a while that he's still got something about him as a player and he does look like he really wants to to be part of things yeah i think people have been relieved as much as anything because there was such a potential for disaster when campbell went out there i mean even in his latter days at pompey he wasn't picking up rave reviews then he's been out of the game for six months uh but he's done really well i've, I've been sort of you know really impressed with him and I'm not sure. On Wednesday, he came on for Vermaelen and Sylvester wasn't on the bench. Sylvester, I assume, was still recovering from that knock that um, that that you know nearly took him off the pitch against Stoke. Mm. And I sort of wonder: has Campbell now superseded Sylvester in the pecking order? It, it seems so, and his performances probably justify that. That said, I wouldn't have fancied three games in a row against United, Chelsea, and then Liverpool with a player who really is only just coming back to anything like full fitness. Hmm. It was an interesting it was an interesting part in the Villa game. I think he'd just come on and I think with one of his first touches the Villa fans were giving it, you know, giving him a bit of stick as if he was this uh, you know, young guy or he had something to prove. It didn't last very long, I have to say, because he no. was he was winning headers and he, he wrecked Heskey all night long. Now people people are looking to sort of you, you know, not Campbell. Uh I remember when we played Stoke, the BBC live text was really negative about Campbell's performance and saying, oh, he hasn't looked himself. He should have got to the cross for Fuller's goal. And I even had Spurs fans saying to me, oh, I think one of your other centre-backs would have headed that cross away. I was like, I don't think so. They're about five inches shorter, both of them. (laughs) And uh, I think people sort of want Campbell to fail because it's, you know, it's a good story. But he seems to be, you know, not in not too bad shape. Which is good news for us, you know, because... um Sylvester obviously is is not somebody you'd have a great deal of faith in, and the news about Vermalen obviously is good. Um, if he does have to play on Sunday, he's going to be up against a, a player who is in probably the best form of his career in Wayne Rooney. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bit of previous there, obviously, because that 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 dive Rooney took in the game, which cost us the uh, the unbeaten run. Um, maybe Saul will uh, feel he's got a, a little bit of a what's it, a score to settle there, perhaps. Yeah, I mean we've seen Saul up against. 
a pair of athletic Stoke forwards and then up against someone like Heskey. We haven't seen him against someone with, you know, quick feet, you know, darting shoulders, uh, good movement, really, I wouldn't say. So Rooney's going to be a real test for whoever plays, even for Vermont. He gave Vermont and Gallus a, a really tricky game at Old Trafford. Um, but I think Rooney's in form. He looks like with the voting happening now, it'll be one of him or Seth for player of the year. Mm. Uh, I think because of English bias, it'll probably be Rooney. Uh, and it's, you know, it's difficult to argue that. He's playing really well, but Sol owes Rooney one. And I would love to sort of see him get payback for that penalty incident on Sunday. Let's look back very quickly. The Stoke game, the FA Cup, uh, any issues with the team that the manager picked? Did he have any choice? I don't think so. And if you imagine, if you'd watched that Villa game last night, uh, sorry, Wednesday night, and you uh, you look at the players that we had out, and if you imagine if they played just three days before, how they might have struggled. They struggled, you know, at times as it was. Mm. Uh, and I think the excuse of tiredness would not have helped that eleven. Uh, and I think Villa was a good point, and that, in my opinion anyway, and I think that that sort of justifies, the ends justifies the means. The FA Cup, Liverpool are out, United are out, Chelsea have sort of got the freedom of, you know, England to go and win it again. Um, I think that shows that it, Liverpool are having a terrible season, but it's not a huge priority anymore for us. You know, if we've got a chance in the league, if we've got a chance in the Champions League, we can't afford to put all our resources into the FA Cup. And the same people who say this Arsenal side have never, you know, they should win a trophy. If we won the FA Cup, I'm sure they'd be the same people who'd then say, it's only the FA Cup. <laughs> You've got to go and prove it in the league. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't necessarily believe that winning up makes us more likely to win the league the following season. I think it'd be good for the club and great for the fans. The fans love a trophy. The fans would love to win the FA Cup. I'm not sure that that I necessarily concur with the consensus that winning that trophy somehow helps you in a completely different style of competition. And I think that we do have a genuine chance of the league this year uh, and we have to make the most of it. Okay, I'd, I'd agree with that. But the the one thing I'd say about that is that, you know, winning something once, not many of these players have won anything. So, yeah. you know, to get that first trophy under their belt would probably be, uh, go a long way just to instilling the kind of belief as young players that they can go and do it and, and do it in the future. And of course, the competitions are different, but we'll see. Villa, as you said, not a bad point um, on the on the face of it. Disappointing considering, I suppose people will have looked at the four games that we've got and said, right, the best chance of three points really is... Uh, Aston Villa but uh, Villa have beaten Chelsea they've beaten United they've beaten uh, Liverpool this season uh, they're no mugs they had something to prove after the uh, the 3-0 game a couple of weeks ago at the Emirates um, and despite how poorly we played and we did play quite poorly and, and half of that is down to Villa I suppose not letting us they played very well we did have uh, good chances uh, particularly Rositsky's uh, which, which would have won the game you did feel that one goal was going was gonna to do the trick yeah, we came close. We hit the woodwork twice. Uh, arguably, our best chance, we never really even sort of sorted it out. That rebound from that Seth shot yeah. that hit the post. Uh, if Ramsey had left it, I think Rosicki had an even easier chance than he later hit the bar with. Uh, that said, you know, I, I appreciate what you say. The easiest game of the four, though, I think Liverpool at home is, is probably an easier fixture looking at the Liverpool side this season. Um, but the most important game, even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Games to win are the games against United and Chelsea on our immediate rivals. Those are essentially six-pointers. Uh, and I think if, if you ask me, if you would say, well, you draw against Villa and uh, and Liverpool, but beat your two title rivals, um, people might not consider it realistic, but that would be a great, great outcome. And those are the two that we really, really must not lose in. Mm. I suppose as well, going into this game uh, on Sunday, the last time we played United at home was the Champions League semi-final, and there was such a an expectation, such an atmosphere, which was dead and buried after after seven or eight minutes um, when United scored. Uh, having beaten them in the league last season, that particular result, uh, and knowing what's at stake, uh, we really do have to go for it this Sunday. And uh, despite the fact that Eduardo said, you're looking to somebody like uh, Arshavin and looking to, to Cesc Fabregas uh, to, do, to do the business because United have a match winner in Rooney. We maybe have two with, with Arshavin when he feels like it because he is capable of that and Fabregas on, on his current form. Yeah, I agree. And I saw a quote from Arshavin today uh, on his official site. The question was something like, um, oh, you and Fabregas seem to be the only players capable of scoring. And Arshavin dismissed that. He said, that's not true. But the responsibility does lie with the likes of me and Sesk. And, mm. you know, those are our key, key players in big games. It was an Arshavin goal that won the match at Anfield that started us on this good run in the league. And Fabregas has been absolutely critical to continuing that. If we are going to beat uh, Man United on Sunday. It's hard, you know, Eduardo's out, but you wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily back him to score in that game anyway. Mm. Bent is just coming back to fitness. Uh, Nasri's sort of drifting in and out of games at the moment. I think if we're going to win, if we're going to score goals, it's going to come from those two, especially in the absence of Diaby, uh, which I think is a, a real blow actually on his current form. Mm. Finally, um, there's a few days left till the transfer window closes. Uh, the United game what, what date is the United game on my look at it? is it the 31st 31st so Monday is the final day and first. Monday is the final day yeah 5pm I think right so he really has to decide obviously beforehand if he's going to do any business in the transfer market apart from Saul Campbell we were all expecting I mean he spoke about bringing in a striker he spoke about you know maybe bringing in a midfielder uh, depending on injuries etc etc do you think that the, the forward situation will have worried him because Theo Walcott, I know he said wait five or six weeks and you'll see a different Walcott. Can he wait five or six weeks? Carlos Vela didn't make the bench against Aston Villa. Eduardo is struggling, looks the shadow of his former self, is out injured. Uh, Bentner's just coming back from injury. So 
is he waiting, do you think, to, for all these uh, little pieces to come together and knit together and, and, and bring us through to the end of the season? Or have you any expectation that he might actually go out and buy somebody? If you look at the quotes from Wenger before the transfer window, he was talking about bringing in a player who could have an immediate impact in the team. Mm. And he meant in January, I think, you know, there was no Van Persie, no Bentner. I don't think he expected us necessarily to pick up the results that we did with the players we had available. I don't see him moving for anybody uh, between now and the end of the window. I think there was obviously an interest in Smalling, an interest that was, you know, hurried along by, by United coming in and they got their man in the end. But Wenger, he's not the kind of manager who, when he doesn't get target A, just switches to target B. He's talked about having transfer lists with target one, two, three before, but it often seems that there are very specific individuals that he sees fitting into his setup. When he doesn't get them, he would rather not spend his money. And much like last year in January, everyone was expecting a defender, everyone was expecting a defensive midfielder. We bought a creative attacker, Andrea Chavin. Mm. Now, this year, everyone was looking at a striker, maybe a defensive midfielder, and we've brought in a 35-year-old centre-back. I think that if he moves for anybody, it will be in the defensive area. But I don't expect that to happen, to be honest. All right. Okay. well, uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed um, and keep our fingers crossed for United on Sunday. Gilberto Silva from Gunner Blog, thank you very much. Cheers, man. And as you all know, I'm sure you can check out Gunnar Blog at GunnarBlog.com. Still to come, Andre Arshavin will be looking ahead to the uh, Manchester United game. we got some team news, who's in and out of the squad for Sunday. Uh, but now, as I mentioned, we, we decided we'd try and find the root cause of, of Arsenal's injury problems. And who better to do that uh, than our resident expert on everything? It's uh, Professor Godfrey Twetschwach. Uh, Professor, welcome to the Arscast. Uh, thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be back. Now, as an expert in everything, you seem the very best person I could find uh, to ask to investigate Arsenal's injury problems. Why do we get so many players injured? Why, when they're injured, do they uh, come back, get injured again? Um, why do we have more injuries than a- any other club? Um, what have you found? I have to say that when you asked me to look into this, I thought to myself, this is going to be an uphill struggle. Now, we have people on our team that are experienced in doing their gardening uphill, but not struggling uphill. Nevertheless, I think we have discovered the solution. The first thing we had to look at, of course, was the number of injuries that Arsenal have experienced this season. They have had 712. That is more than all the other teams in the Premier League put together. Now, when you look at that, you have to think there's something a little bit iffy. It's got to go beyond Arsenal having players, for example, that have osteoporosis, muscular dystrophy, or low-level spina bifida. Of course, in the case of Robin Van Persie, all three things apply, and a couple more, actually, but that doesn't explain why the rest of the squad have got all these injuries. So we took all the information that we had, fed it into our supercomputer, did all the data crunching, and nothing could not find one bit of an answer. That was until we discovered the most amazing resource. Nobody's using it. They're all too busy online with their face twits and e-bookers and all that. It's called a library, and it contains objects known as books. Now, I know these things are probably beyond the comprehension of most of your listeners, but these books contain information. 
Now, we looked at the information and discovered that in ancient times, the Mayan civilization believed that illness was not a degradation of the body. It was a curse put on you by somebody who didn't like you. Bearing that in mind, we used the probability-generating program to find out where the curse could be. Arsenal's training ground, that's the answer. Using highly sensitive equipment, we scanned all the training pitches until we found it. In the center circle of one of the pitches used by the first team, a little box containing the left wing of a fruit bat fused with the femur of a rare albino gibbon wrapped in the plasticized abortion of a snow leopard, the traditional Mayan curse. And with that evidence in front of us, it was very clear what had happened. There's only one person with the deviousness and the resources available to do something like that. Alex Ferguson. He put a curse on all of Arsenal's players, causing them to become injured all the time. That is um, extensive research, uh, Dr. Twitchloch. Thank you very much. But I mean, the, the question I would have, of course, is um, why now? Because... Uh, Arsenal have had teams which were much more threatening to Manchester United in the past with Henri, Vieira, Bergkamp, Pires, those teams that were experienced and much more capable of winning trophies. Why has he chosen to pick on this Arsenal team? Well, clearly it's because he's a cunt. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Professor Gottfried Twatschloch. And uh, next time we have a question that really needs to be answered, I'm pretty sure he's the guy we're going to go to. Now, Nicholas Bentner is back. Uh, he came back against Aston Villa after three months out, more or less. His last appearance was in the North London Derby against Tottenham at home there at the end of October. And he's back, and um, time away has not diminished the man's confidence. He is a confident man, you have to say. Uh, one thing you could never accuse him of is lacking self-belief. He says, Is this a chance to become the number one striker? That's my plan. Is it achievable? Of course. Why am I so confident? It's simple. I'm a good player. I've always had that belief. People ask me every time we speak, why are you like that? And that's just the way it is. It reminds me of a song almost. He said, if I didn't think I could do it, I wouldn't be standing here telling you I could. <laughs> you can't fault a guy for his self-belief. You really can't. Um, if he could back that up now with, I don't know, 20 goals between now and the end of the season, that would be just marvellous as well. Uh, but uh, obviously his return gives us that physical presence uh, that we've been looking for up front, provided, of course, that Arsene Wenger plays him as the central striker, uh, which I, he can't not do it, can he? He can't play him out in the right and continue to play Arshavin for whatever. No, he's not. He wouldn't. He wouldn't dare, would he? No. Because Bender's going to become the number one striker. Why? Because it's like that. And that's the way it is. Listen to Nicholas Bentner. Uh, but maybe his arrival or his return to the team will allow Arshavin to play in that position that he's a little bit better in. And he, I think he plays better off a bigger man, Arshavin. Eduardo too. Uh, but obviously he's not going to be playing. So it'll be interesting to see um, how he copes fitness-wise against Manchester United on Sunday. He gives us a bit of an aerial threat, someone who can hold the ball up, someone who can bring others into play. And, um, yeah, come on, Nicholas, do it. You've talked the talky stuff, now do the walking walky stuff, which is more the scorey score stuff. That's what we want, Nicholas. Goals. I know that's what he wants too. We all want the same thing. So what's the problem? There is none. Not yet, anyway. Um, now, this guy. Hello, Andrea Shevin here and uh, uh, talk about uh, my week. 
we play against uh, Aston Villa and uh, make draw. Maybe uh, win. Of course, he's uh, better, but he's a difficult game. And uh, in cup, we play um, Stoke and lose. And I uh, am on bench, but uh, later come on field. And uh, I want to wear my hat, but the manager, he see and uh, he is smiling and uh, take hat off my head. And I am smiling too, <laughs> but inside I am not smiling. It is uh, another problem for me here in England. Another thing I uh, I cannot do. Um, in Russia I can, uh, for example, I am uh, parking where I like and uh, I can uh, drink uh, the vodka while I am uh, driving. But uh, here, no. Here I have to uh, pay for things when I go to shop. And uh, if somebody is um, um, make angry, make me angry, I cannot say to uh, my friend Yuri, um, go to uh, this person's house and uh, in middle of night take wife and children and uh, kill them, and then um, bring heads back to house, and then tell men, don't make Andre angry again. And uh, I cannot uh, import lion and uh, tiger and uh, grizzly bear and build a coliseum like in Rome, at bottom of garden, and uh, make homeless people fight, and uh, get eat by lion and uh, tiger and bear. Um, for me, is a big problem. I like uh, in Russia to do these things, and uh, in England, I cannot. I uh, I blame uh, Maggie Thatcher. A bloody woman. And hopefully Andre can take out the frustrations of uh, not being able to park wherever he likes and uh, have people killed and uh, eaten by bears. Uh, he'll take those frustrations out on Manchester United on Sunday. It's a big game. He generally scores um, impressive goals in big games. He's already scored against Manchester United this season. Uh, nevertheless, that game finished quite badly for us. Quite badly indeed. Uh, we gifted them two goals, a penalty and uh, Abu Dhabi's own goal. And as I said to Gilberto Silva in the uh, in the little chat earlier on, I feel like we owe them one. And I feel that generally when it comes to Manchester United because the battles down the years have been so intense and the rivalry has been fierce, etc., etc. So I always feel like we owe them one. Even after we've beaten them, I still feel like we owe them another one. And if we beat them 50 times in a row... I'd still feel like we owe them another one. And not a gentle one either. No. A good hard rooting. Uh, and I feel that's what we owe Manchester United uh, after the game at Old Trafford and after the Champions League semi-final. There's got to be a measure of revenge on uh, the minds of the players and the manager. Uh, that occasion fell so flat last year. Um, the, the Champions League semi-final having been such a great atmosphere and it was just uh, sickening, really. So carry that into the game. 
players and fans and and the manager, I'm sure. Uh, It will keep us right in this title race. Um, It wouldn't mean the end of things if we didn't win. Wouldn't mean the end of things if we lost. Uh, But it would be a a tremendous boost to the squad if we did go ahead and, uh, and smash them and root them. And while they were lying there crying, begging for us to stop, we gave them another one. Um, but that could be just me <clears throat> hoping for all that. Uh, the team news, uh, I suppose, is that uh, Alex Song is back and Emmanuel Abue is back. Both of them back from Africa, uh, from the African Cup of Nations. They go back into the squad. You would have to imagine Song will go uh, straight back into the team, despite the fact the manager was saying he did look a bit tired playing for Cameroon. He can't afford to be tired. Uh, we need him in there. I wonder who he'll play in midfield alongside Sesk. Diaby is not going to be fit, so will it be Danielson or will it be Rosicki? I can't, I hope it's Rosicki. I like to see Rosicki in there, but you just feel he might he might keep him on the bench and go for the solidity or whatever it is that Danielson does. Uh, but I, I would play Rosicki, personally speaking. Up front, I reckon uh, Arshavin Bentner and Nasri probably. And then with a little bit on the bench, maybe there's Walcott on the bench, there's uh, Vela on the bench. What am I talking about? Yeah. We have to hope that the players that are out there are going to score. See, this is me just reverse jinxing them, kind of. Because, I mean, in fairness, Theo is never going to score between now and the end of the season, and, and Vela too. If Vela ever scores another goal in his career, I'll be surprised. I would pay £5 to a charity. And I don't believe in charity, generally speaking. But I would pay five whole pounds, which is well, probably about six euros ten if he scored. So, um, yes, let's get up for this and let's make sure we keep ourselves right in the title race and let's beat Manchester United at home. We owe them one. We owe them one, so let's give them one. They asked for it. It's not our fault. They asked for it. Turning us over in the Champions League semi-finals, Cheeky cunts. All right, then. We better leave it there, then, for this Irishcast. Um, have yourselves a very good weekend. Uh, talk to you all next week on the blog and, of course, on the very next Irishcast. Until then, cheerio. Bye-bye. Hello there, and welcome to the Arsenal Medical Room. I'm the Arsenal Doctor, and I'm here today to show you that the Arsenal players receive the best possible medical treatment whenever they get an injury. There are those out there who say because our players pick up injuries very frequently and often spend prolonged periods out of the game, that we don't know what we're doing. Well, that's absolute nonsense, let me tell you. I've got a first-class degree in medicine from the University of... Now, if you look over there on your right-hand side, you can see Abu Dhabi, who's out for a little while with a calf injury. Now, we've got top-of-the-range, state-of-the-art treatment going on there with him. That's right, it's a poultice made from flour and goat's urine. Over there on your left-hand side, Robin Van Persie, ankle ligament damage, 
Could have kept the player out for two years in the past. Not so. He'll be back in seven months. How are the leeches there, Robin? Good. And our post-injury care is second to none. If you look over there, you can see Johan Juru. There he is with an opium pipe, relaxing to help him get over his knee injury. So if somebody tells you that Arsenal players don't get the best possible medical treatment, just tell them to shut up or I'll come round and help their wife give birth. Bye! A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.